It's time for us to uh, go ahead and get started tonight. As usual, we've got a, a storm trying to move through right when we're trying to start, but we're glad you're here. It's nice and dry in here, and we want to welcome you to our services tonight uh, here at Boonville. If you're visiting with us, we are especially honored to have you, and we want to invite you back on Sunday for our worship service at 930, and then our Bible classes will be at uh, 5 o'clock on Sunday night. I do hope that uh, you picked up a bulletin. If you didn't, be sure and pick one of those up before you leave. Uh, in addition to what you see in the bulletin, uh, Martha Eaton was able to go home from the hospital about three hours ago. Uh, she still got to go through some rehab and things of that nature, so please remember her. Also, uh, Anita Forrest told me that a good friend of her and Ken's, uh, Marcia McNutt uh, in Chattanooga, uh, passed away. Uh, her mother was Ken's secretary there uh, in Chattanooga, and uh, she was young, and she had a procedure, heart procedure, and did not survive. We want to remember that family in our prayers. As far as other activities that are going on, there's going to be a meeting 
of all lads to leader event leaders uh, or any adults that would like to help this coming Sunday night following the services. Uh, I guess that'll be in the little chapel. Also, Rush is taking place at Fried Hardeman uh, the 22nd through the 24th of this month. You can sign up in the foyer. Uh, our Golden Circle, you'll, we'll be having our monthly uh, luncheon this coming Tuesday, September the 12th at 11.30 in the Annex. And also, uh, for those in the Golden Circle, we're going to be going to Amish country on Friday, October the 6th. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. I know we've got several that want to go there, and uh, we would love for you to come. So please sign that list in the foyer for October the 6th. Uh, also, uh, there's a men's shootout. Uh, it's not water guns or anything like that. It's skeet shooting at the Jumper Estates on September the 30th. If you're interested, please sign up uh, on the list in the foyer. Uh, our food pantry will be open next Thursday. Canned meat is the item that you need to be bringing. Uh, I believe that is all our announcements tonight. I do want to mention that the fifth grade class tonight is going to be staying in the auditorium. Also, the teen class tonight. You'll be staying in the auditorium today. Brother Ken will introduce Brother Terry Smith, our speaker, as he is going to talk to us about the good work in Uganda. And I hope you'll have uh, your attention ready for him tonight. We appreciate Terry, and uh, we are so thankful that he's here with us tonight. For our devotional tonight, uh, Jordan Coates is going to be leading our singing. Toy Farr will lead our prayer, and Brother Tommy Barragona will present our devotional thoughts. Our song tonight will be number 15 in the songbooks, step by step, number 15. Oh God, you are my God. so long. Number 927, if you want to mark that in your books. In the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 26, we have a glimpse into the life of one of the kings of Judah, Uzziah. 
He became a, uh, the king of Judah when he was 16 years old. Can you imagine that? 16 years old being the, the king of a, of a vast kingdom. But he took the reins of that, that work at the age of 16. And in verse 4 of that chapter, it says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought after God. And he did a good job, a fantastic job, because he had good counselors. He had people that told him what to do. He expanded the kingdom. He fought against the Philistines. He built up the city of Jerusalem. He did a lot of great things. And, that, and, and it says in here that his, so his fame spread far and wide. He was well known for following after God. But then something happened to Uzziah. When you get down to chapter uh, Verse 16 of, of chapter 26, it says, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Something happened to him when he got strong, when he felt comfortable he decided that he could do anything he wanted to. And for some reason, one day he decided, I'm going to go to the temple and I'm going to offer incense. And as you read through that chapter, you'll see that the, that the chief priest and 80 priests met him at the door. And they tried to convince him that he was not allowed to do that. Even if he was the king. He couldn't do anything he wanted to. He still had to obey God. Verse 19 of this chapter says, Then Uzziah became furious. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. He was there. He got mad. Can you imagine this scene? You have 80 priests standing in the door trying to convince him to back away and go back to, the, to, his, to his home. You've got all of the people, his entourage with him, and they're all there, and some of his advisors saying, King, this is not the thing to do. And I'm sure that by this time, there was a crowd out in the street looking and saying, what in the world is going on? Why is the king so mad at these people? Can you imagine the things that he would be saying to them? I'm the king. I can do anything. I can have your heads cut off. But God intervened. And here it says, And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord because he wanted to offer incense. God sent him a sign, a terrible sign. You see, he was bound to live the rest of his days in isolation. He would never enter the temple again because he was a leper. And as you read through the rest of the chapter, you'll see 
that he spent his days in isolation, away from, from people. And even after he died, they put his body in a separate part of the cemetery and put on his tombstone that he was a leper. So what do we learn about Uzziah that we can apply to our lives? In Proverbs 11 and verse 2, it says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. If we are lifting ourselves up in pride, there's going to come a downfall. A second thing that I learned from this is that God sent him a sign. It was a very visual sign in his case that he was doing wrong. And I think sometimes that maybe God sends us signs. You know, Brother Ken stands up here every week and speaks to us. And sometimes he sends us a sign. He reminds us that maybe we're not as good as we think we are. Or maybe he sends you a sign one day to say you need to be right with God because you never know when that time is going to come when you will be cast into eternity. If there's anything that you need to change tonight, won't you do that as we sing? your throne of grace tonight in loving hearts and humbleness. Father, we pray for the sick, the afflicted, and the long-suffering in your namesake. Father, be with the ones in this fold tonight that couldn't be here with us because of sickness or family members being sick. Father, we'd like to remember the ones that are not here tonight because they've already left this world. Father, be with the ones here tonight and the ones that maybe should be asking themselves, what do I need to do to be a better Christian? As we follow your word each day by the Ten Commandments, let us always be humble in our approach to anyone, remembering 
that on that great day that we will all be judged on how we acted, how we talked to folks, and how we brought your word forth. Going to church and sitting in a pew or spreading your word each day, sowing the seeds of your kingdom. Father, be the sick and afflicted each day, and I pray, Father, that if there be anyone here tonight that needs to come to you, they do so for it's everlasting, too late. In Christ's name I do pray. Amen. As our teachers make our way to classes, we'll sing number 474. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. of the mission team and saying how excited we are to have Terry Smith with us along with his daughter Olivia. Olivia I think has taken at least two trips with Terry to Uganda. He's involved in Christ's call in Africa and has been doing a tremendous work over there in Uganda. Here's the interesting thing and that is it seems like every mission Sunday that we have, which usually corresponds to the second, fifth Sunday of the year. Terry's name comes up. We support him through the year and then he just comes up with these great ideas about expanding the Lord's work. And he's quite a salesman. We hear his plea, we see the impact that he's already making and the potential that is in the new project and we are just sold. And so I come here and I tell you how excited I am about it and you respond to it. I think that one of the great things that we're able to do in the Boonville congregation is to be a part of the support of the work that Terry's doing. Now, Terry's not only doing mission work in Uganda, he's also the full-time minister there at Strickland. So he's certainly got his hands full but we appreciate Terry so much, and we're thrilled to have him here tonight to share with us, I guess, the latest trip that you made to Uganda, and just to, just to thrill our souls at the great work that we are joining him in doing in Africa. So Terry, share away.
One thing I forget at Strickland every week is to turn on the microphone before I get started. And then I, I asked uh, Ken a while ago, can I walk around like I want to? And he said, yes, because I have someone in the sound room at Strickland on Wednesday night going, stay, stay, stay where you are because uh, they're putting my PowerPoint up and they're giving me a little small space to stay in uh, on the uh, live stream. It's good to be here tonight. It's good to be here to talk to you about Uganda. But let me share this first of all. And let me give you a little bit of background and then we'll move on from there. In 1981, in the fall of 1981, I went to Fried Hardman University. And I thought it was absolutely the best place I'd ever been in my life besides Maywood Christian Camp. Now let me state, Maywood is the closest place to heaven. Fried Hardman would be second. But as I came in as a freshman, I, I'm beginning to be exposed to all these things. I grew up in a little con country congregation called New Hope, uh, way out in, in nowhere. Some of you are kin to some of the people there at New Hope, and so you know where I'm talking about. But we really didn't know about many things so far as the broader picture of the church was concerned. We did support some mission work, but we really wasn't connected to it. We just we gave money to it, and somebody would come and talk to us a little bit about it from time to time. And we really didn't know about camp. So my first time to ever go to camp was the year I graduated, that same year that I went to Freed Hardman in the fall. But I'm there in chapel when there was a mission report made. There was a group that was graduating from Freed. There was some that was graduating from Harding. Uh, and I believe there's some that were graduating from Lipscomb who were forming a team. Uh, they were on their way to Sunset uh, School uh, where they would finish their training for the mission field and then they were going to the continent of great cities. Now this is about two years before Doug came to Freed Hardman. Uh, Doug's about two years behind me at Freed and so I, I know he, he may have been exposed a little bit more being a preacher's son but I know it must have been the same experience for him as it was for me. Just absolutely I'm in awe. And I'm thinking that's something I would like to do someday. I would like to go to the mission field and I would like to do the Lord's work in a foreign country. Well, it was a long time before that happened. And I'll give you a little bit more of that history in just a little while. But that's what brings us here tonight. That's what brings me here tonight to talk to you about Uganda was that first experience I had at Freed Hardeman in 1981 and seeing this tremendous mission work. In fact, here's what's happened with that mission work. They went, they established a church. The church, to my knowledge, is doing well in South America. That's the continent of great cities. The church is doing well in South America, so much so that those missionaries now have gone, they raised their families, and they came back home. And that's where that work is now and did really well. Well, I'm hoping that our work in Uganda will also grow to the point in time where everything belongs to the Ugandans and they're able to send missionaries to other places uh, and not just uh, the work that we have to take to them there in Uganda. Tonight, though, before we get started in our presentation, Simon, uh, who is uh, the one who is taking care of our radio program uh, and our School of Biblical Studies that will begin in January, we'll talk more about that in a little while, he wants to make a statement to you, and we did this while we were over there, and now if we can get this to work for you good, uh, hear from Simon. 
Hi, Bonnie Brethren. This is Simon Odong, age 43, married to Vera Oliver. God has blessed our marriage with a 12 year old daughter. I'm from Uganda, the part of Africa. I'm an evangelist preaching with sorority congregation and traveling evangelists working with churches of Christ across eastern and northern Uganda. My family and I are so grateful for supporting us with the preaching work in sorority congregation we appreciate you so much, brethren. Thank you very much. Here is an overview of our preaching ministry. We do congregational preaching with sorority congregation where we conduct Sunday school program and do evangelism and edification programs. Uh, in Sorot area and the Teso subregion as a whole. Again, we have radio evangelism on a top. 99.4 FM every Sunday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. where we do preach and teach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and also do follow-up work with interested radio listeners with the aim of conducting one-on-one -on -one Bible studies so that we have enough time to share with the prospects of the radio station. Furthermore, we do make evangelism trips to eastern and northern Uganda regions where we teach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We do edification and conduct Bible studies in evangelism field. This program promotes unity and encourages fellowship among the brethren and churches of Christ in these regions. So, Sorority Church of Christ shall open Sorority School of Biblical Studies with the co-aim of equipping the brethren with the scriptural knowledge through church-based training programs. Uh, we believe that this opportunity will greatly uh, edify the brethren and improve 
on their service to God. I thank you very much for listening to this short clip. God bless you in Krishna Simon Adon. I promised him that I would share this with you because he wanted to say something to you because you've been supporting him and taking care of he and his family uh, for the past two years, correct? Maybe three. Maybe three years that y'all been involved with Simon uh, in his work there. Uh, we will get back to Simon in just a few moments, but I want to do that at the beginning because once I get started, I didn't want to slow down and go back to the video. Well, it's something interesting about this particular picture that you see in front of you. Olivia, when we went to Uganda, when I was there in 2017, uh, one of the guys, uh, Bubba Jackson, went with me, and we had our picture made uh, at the equator. And Olivia said, I want to have our picture made there on that sign at the equator. So the first year we went, uh, year before last in 2020, or, or last year in 2022, uh, the last part of 21 and 22, uh, we are driving by there and, and I said, I guess we missed it. And Olivia said, I really wanted to have our picture made. Well, I guess we missed it. Well, what we found out was this year when we were driving by there is that they had widened the road and they were putting a brand new situation up there. And there is a guy that they have hired who when he sees you stop at the, uh, at the equator and looking at the sign, there is a sign there, a road sign that says the equator, but when he sees you stop, here he comes running and there is a sign there, a big billboard with the equator with a picture on it and so he stands it up where you can take your picture in front of uh, this marker of the equator until they get the new one built. And so there he comes. And so that's his job. He gets paid to do that. And so we had our picture made there uh, on the equator uh, with what is a picture of the original thing that was there that marks the equator. Christ calling Africa. When exactly did this thought come to my mind? When did the idea begin to develop? Well, in 1997, I moved to Foot Street, and Foot Street was involved in Uganda at that point in time. They were sending teachers, uh, our young men, uh, over to Joss, Nigeria, to prepare them to come back and be teachers uh, in a school that they were going to establish, which was the Ugandan Christian Bible College. And you've heard quite a bit about that because you're also supporting Ugandan Christian Bible College. I was sitting on the side uh, of uh, actually under a mango tree while the foundation to Ugandan Christian Bible College was being laid. Uh, in 2009 is when I met Simon for the first time. It's also when I met Jeremiah that we'll mention in just a few moments ago. Uh, Simon was going to be one of the teachers for Ugandan Christian Bible College. Uh, and he was going to uh, be the youngest of them. And he was not married yet. And they were all tormenting him because he wasn't married and didn't have a wife. And he was all upset and all this. 
Uh, and so finally he finds a wife. He gets her in the west, uh, in the western part of Uganda, and then winds up taking her. Now, I'll explain why she was upset. In western Uganda is some of the most beautiful mountains I've ever been in in my life. Fort Portal, which is just above her hometown in the Renzori Mountains, is the same elevation as Denver, Colorado. It's cool over there. Most of the time, it's between 70 and 80 degrees, and it's really, really nice. He moves her to eastern Uganda, where it's hot and dry. And the first time I went to meet with them in their house, and, and she's fanning, and she's saying, it's hot over here. He's taking me away from my home. <laughs> and she was not happy whatsoever. Uh, but she's kind of settled in a little bit to that now. But it began because Foot Street was involved in this work, and for the very first time, I got an opportunity to go to Africa. First to Nigeria to visit the school at Joss, and then to Uganda in 2009. We went up, we bought property, uh, we were getting ready to build a school, we got the school established, got the school going, we went all over the country. I think I met just about every brother uh, that existed in Uganda at the time because we were trying to sell the school to everybody because we wanted them to send their young men to this school to train them. Now the purpose was to not only to train preachers but also to try to bring the churches together in Uganda and to try to bring harmony and unity among the congregations. And I believe that Ugandan Christian Bible College has managed to, to do that, and we're trying to also be a part of that and, and work together with them in doing that as well and bringing the congregations together to work together because, as you well know, if the church doesn't work together, then we're not going to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And so that's where it all began. That's, that's the history of where this happens. But there was a man who came to Ugandan Christian Bible College. I met him in 2009 in Kasisi, Uganda. He's a young guy at this point in time, and he's getting ready to go to Ugandan Christian Bible College. He's one of our first recruits. His name is Jeremiah. And so he comes, and he goes through, he graduates. He's in our first graduating class. He goes, first of all, to a place called Lira that we'll mention just a few moments ago, which is in northern Uganda. Then he winds up back over in the west. Well, when I moved to Strickland, he starts sending me messages. He's been sending me messages all along, and I've been helping him every chance I could. And so he started sending me messages, and he said, I need to go to Kenya. Can you send me money to help me go to Kenya? The brethren over there want me to come and preach for them. I've got to go to Kenya. And so I said, okay, we can do that. And so I, I sent him some money. And then the next thing I know, he's needing to go somewhere else. So I said, okay, we got to do something. So I went to the West Corinth congregation. I said, okay, would you take Jeremiah's support? And they said, sure, we'd be willing to do that. And so they took Jeremiah's support. They didn't know at the time that they were going to wind up with a whole lot more because when they got me and they got the support, they got a whole lot of stuff that went along with it because Jeremiah's sending me messages every day. We need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do that. And so I'm going back to them and saying, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing that. And so they're saying, okay, we'll oversee that. 
and make sure that everything, the funds get where they need to go and everything. So that's how everything began. Well, in 2017, uh, we were over there. And while we were there in 2017, the East Singara Church approached us and said, okay, we're going to start a school. Now, you can help us if you want to, but we're going to start the school anyway. So I gave them some money. I had some money left from the trip, and I gave them some money. And what they were going to start was a nursery and primary school because here was their reasoning. We have all of these children, and I'll point this out to you in a few moments because it's going to shock you. We have all of these children that we need to be teaching. We also have a lot of orphan children that we need to be teaching. The denominations are here, and they're teaching them. Their parents are willing for them, uh, them, willing for them to go to school at a private school, at a private Christian school. We need to be teaching them. We need to be the ones. The church needs to be the ones. And so we're going to start this school in January. So they started the school in January. Well, I go back in July for some, another reason, but I travel over because I want to see how the work's going. And Jeremiah says, we need to go by and visit the school. Now, okay, starts in January, I'm there in July. What would you think? These guys said, we're going to start this. I didn't give them very much money at all. I gave them what I had. We're going to start this. What would you think if Jeremiah said, we're going to go by and we're going to go by the school? What, what, would, what number would be in your mind? I'll tell you the number was in my mind. Now, I'm thinking as an American, okay? I'm thinking, okay, they got about 50 students over there, okay? No, they had 350 students over there. And not only did they have 350 students, but you know what their classrooms look like? They look like a stable. Literally, looked like a stable. They threw up some buildings and they put some sawmill boards on the side, what we used to call slabs on the side. And that's what they were using for their classrooms. 350 kids within this fenced-in lot. And so it began to grow from there. You will see in this picture my shirt uh, that they made for me. And you know, it's kind of bright. Okay, everyone keeps saying, uh, okay. What about that shirt? <laughs> well, Olivia, as you see, has a matching dress. And by the way, the lady who made this, it is made well. Because this is part of the tailoring, uh, the tailoring part of the school where they're teaching them to be tailors. They're teaching them to sew. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But each one of us had our own matching outfits that goes along with it. And by the way, uh, this is the lady right here who is the one who teaches that. And she's about the age of Lawrence's granddaughter. And so she kind of adopted him and he kind of adopted her. And I thought that was really neat. So we move along. If you will notice, why do we do these things? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses, verse 11, verses 14 through 15. Therefore, because we know the fear of the Lord, we seek to persuade people. We are completely open before God, and I hope we are completely open to your conscience as well. For Christ's love compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died, 
And he died for all so that those who live, now listen to this, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Why do we do what we do? Because the love of Christ compels us because we should no longer live for ourselves. The people of Uganda should no longer live for themselves, but they should live for the one who died for them. How are they going to know about the one who died for them if we don't take that message to them? But you see, when an American goes and builds the mission work around himself, and then he grows old, and he comes home, what happens to the mission work? So what we've learned in recent years is the best way to do mission work is that you train the local people to lead the church, to do the evangelism, to do the teaching. Whatever has to be done, that's what needs to happen. Is They need to be taught. They need to be trained. So what is this Christ call in Africa work all about? It's all about training the church in Uganda to do the work of evangelism in Uganda. That's what it's all about. In fact, nobody, nobody, we're, we're, we're overseeing the work, but we're not telling them what to do. They're doing the work. We're working side by side with them as partners, as you'll see in just a little while, concerning the oversight of the work there. Interesting facts about Uganda and Mississippi for just a moment in Alabama. Uganda's land mass is 93,263 square miles. If you put Alabama and Mississippi together, that's a land mass of 99,372 square miles with a population of 8,124,465. That is of today. I looked these figures up today. I put them in today. I want to make sure they were fresh. Now, what about Uganda, though? It has about the same land mass, not, not, not much difference in Alabama and Mississippi together and the land mass of Uganda. 49,948,464 as of the last time I checked on that in 2023. 49, almost 50 million people in the nation of Uganda, which is the size of Mississippi and Alabama together. They give you some perspective on what's going on there. Now, here's some interesting facts. Uganda has the world's youngest population with over 77%. Young people, listen to this for a moment. You want a challenge, you want somewhere in your life that when, when, when you're finished with high school and maybe finished with college and you want to go and do mission work and you want to help people to prepare themselves to take the gospel to their own people. Listen to this. 77% of the population of Uganda is below the age of 25. Seven, that, that's the newest numbers, by the way. 77%. The population, uh, the por- proportion of population below the age of 14 in 2021 was 45.19%. 
The Bible says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. When is the best time to learn about God? When you're my age of 60, it's hard. If you're trying to learn about God when you're 60 and you're trying, trying to make a decision to change your life when you're 60, it's a, big, it's, a, it's a big decision. It's hard to do. But when you're young and your heart is tender and you're still learning and you're growing, that's the time of life. That's the age that most of the people in Uganda are. With a huge portion under the age of 14 years of age. So where do we need to go in our mission work? What do we need to do in the work there in Uganda? Well, a nursery and primary school was definitely a good route to go. And that's the way in which we chose to go with part of our work in Uganda. 21 million people, by the way, just an extra thought, 21 million people in Uganda don't have access to clean or safe drinking water. So where is Uganda? Should have already probably pointed this out. Uganda is on the eastern side of Africa, coming on down about the middle. Uh, Kenya, of course, being on the ocean, but Uganda is landlocked. Uh, that means if you send something to Uganda, it takes a while for it to get there, and then it has to travel through Kenya to get on over to uh, Uganda. Flying something in is so expensive you can't even start to think about flying it in. Uh, it is on the banks of Lake Victoria. And Lake Victoria and a spring in Jinja, Uganda, is the source of the Nile River, which goes up and around and up this way and goes all the way to the Mediterranean Sea where Egypt borders the Mediterranean Sea. There's a, a little bit better uh, look at what's going on. Now, let's look at this map and let me tell you where we're working. We're working this area around the Congo border. We're working in Kasisi, where the nursery and primary school is. We're doing work here, Lyra, sorority, uh, and all of this area, and working over toward Kenya and on up toward Gulu. <coughs> and that is our, where our primary work is happening in uh, the nation of Uganda. Isangara. Isangara is the congregation that oversees the work uh, of Christ Calling Africa on the ground in Kasisi, western Uganda in the Renzori Mountain area. Uh, you will notice there that we had worship with them on Sunday morning. We also had a workshop there uh, while, we were, while we were there as well. And then I wanted you to see this picture because, and you can't really tell uh, as much about it. Hold on, let me go back. Can't tell as much about it, but see how beautiful uh, the mountains are and the sky and everything. I couldn't put as many pictures in here as I wanted to because we'd be here all night. But in connection with this Isangara church, we started what they call the Bruce and Barbara Hammer School of Biblical Studies. Now let me tell you about this school. This school is for the purpose of maturing the church. 
Most of the congregations in Uganda are young. And what I mean is they've been started in the last five to ten years. And they're young in the faith. So what are they going to do? How are they ever going to, to mature to a place where they can have leadership, uh, where they can do the evangelism that they need to do? H how is that going to happen? Now let me say this, Uganda believes in education. So you've got a lot of well-educated people in the church in Uganda. But they also need to be educated in the Word of God. And so what we've done is we've established this school in western Uganda, the Bruce and Barbara Hammer School of Biblical Studies. And this school is teaching a college curriculum in Bible. If you take a look at the curriculum at Freed Hardman, you would see very similar to what we're teaching in this school of biblical studies. But it's just for the average member of the church so that they can go and they can learn and they can get a, a deeper understanding of the Word of God and then they can go out and they can present the gospel to others. And not only can they present the gospel to others, but they can teach Bible classes. Remember this young generation? They need Bible teachers. They need a Sunday school program. That's one of the things they're struggling with. The first years that I went over there, you got all these children wandering around everywhere, but they're not teaching them. They're not teaching them. It's still a huge problem. They need a Sunday school program. But they can't have a Sunday school program until they got people that are mature and, and are, are, are grown up enough in the faith to be able to teach those classes. And so this is what we did with this as well. Uh, but we have a dream. We have a dream. I told the elders about this dream the last time I met with them. We have a dream. Not only do we have the School of Biblical Studies, and when it happens, it happens during what they call the holidays. They have holidays during, during the school year. It's much different than here. They'll go uh, so, many, so many weeks, and then they'll have a long break, and then they'll, they'll go so many more, and they'll have another long break. Uh, and it's not like it is here. We're getting there to some degree in some places, but it's like they don't have long summer breaks, but they have, they'll have these, these like almost three to a month break. And during that time is when we're teaching these classes. And so we're calling them holiday classes. Uh, and so that's when, when it's happening. But we have a dream. The dream is when we started the nursery and primary school, the nursery and primary school goes through level seven. We have added a new level every year. Every time we start back the new school year, we add the next level. So our, our next step will be secondary school. And that starts, I believe, with level eight. Right now we're at level seven. And it will start with level eight. And then we'll move through uh, the secondary school. But then after secondary school, the last part of secondary school is advanced which would be what we consider probably early college, something like, something like Northeast, uh, 11th and 12th, then two years would be like the two years you would get at Northeast, just, just regular, if you just took a regular associate's degree uh, at Northeast. But here's what we're thinking. We're thinking that when they're finished with that, that we need a Christian college situation. Because if we've gone through all this time to teach them and get them ready and prepare them to serve the Lord, then why then would we send them to a university somewhere else? Maybe taught by, maybe taught if they're going to go to a Christian university, it's going to be taught by, but still, again, by denominational people. So why not establish our own Christian university? 
So that's our dream. We've got a man who came to Freed Harmon University. His name is Raymond. Uh, he has his master's degree uh, in New Testament. And he is ready to be the head of that school. So you will see this picture now. That's our land. We bought two acres of land. You will see Olivia standing there in her dress. You know, I, I wish I could make that thing move because she's waving her hands like this as, as she's standing there. That's uh, one of them moving pictures. And so Raymond is in the center of this. We bought two nice acres. Right now it looks to you like just a cornfield. But our dream is that that's going to be a Christian college. That's the plan. That, that's what's going to happen. And so there is the plan. You have uh, the dormitories and everything back here, and then you'll have uh, the main halls and the library and everything. And so that two acres one of these days is going to turn into a Christian university. It will start out as the School of Biblical Studies that we already have, and then it will move into uh, that, and that is the plan. Amazing Grace Nursery and Primary School. Uh, you can read this for yourself, so I won't go over all that. That's the motto and the school vision, school mission, and the school goals. And then a little bit about our objectives and what we're trying to do uh, with the school. And then here we are, 600 students now in the school. While COVID was going on, uh, instead of wasting that time, the Ugandans was like us. They couldn't get out and do anything. Uh, they had to stay at home. And so what we did during that time in 2020, we built a school building. And we literally built a school building during that time. And so now uh, we have a very nice school facility uh, for them. And then all these students that you will see, we're introducing ourselves to them and talking to them. Uh, I couldn't get all the pictures in, but uh, there was one I, for, I meant to get in. Olivia's staying in the midst of them, and she's got her hands out, and they're they've got her by the hand. I stood there probably two hours with with 100 kids holding my hand, <laughs> you know, in the midst of them. Um, well, one of the things that came up to us, uh, our kids can identify with this. One of the young men came up to me. And he said, we need sports. <laughs> okay. I said, I think we can do something about that. And so we did something about that. We went and we bought them all the stuff they needed to have sports. And so now they're competing with the other schools in sports. Now, when we say football in Uganda, we're not talking about uh, that egg-shaped ball. We're talking about instead a soccer ball, and they play netball, and, and they call, that's uh, volleyball, uh, though we saw another on TV, another type of netball that was kind of weird, but that's not what they were talking about. Uh, they were talking about volleyball, so volleyball is netball and football, and so you see how excited they are when they got their, when they got their balls. Now... This is probably one of the most important things we do. And so I'm going to give you, I know many of you, I know our members at Strickland do this, and I know many of you do this as well. I know that you give to mission works beside your, outside of your contribution. So what they ask us to do, we're trying to prepare them if they can't go past level seven. 
They get to level seven. They've gotten most of their basic education that they need. But then to go past that, it's going to, it's going to begin costing quite a bit. And so many of them can't do that. Many of them can't go past level seven. And so many of them will stop there. So what we're doing is we're teaching them a vocation. Uh, we're teaching them farming. Uh, we're teaching them basket weaving. And by the way, I wish we'd have brought Olivia's basket. It, it, it's amazing, uh, the baskets. And you see there that they're, they're making those. They're also learning sewing. Now, if you go down the street of Uganda, one of the things that you will notice as you will see these shops, and sometimes you'll just see people sitting on the sidewalk with a sewing machine in front of them, and they're sewing for people. So if you want your clothes, and you want your clothes for your children, you want your clothes for, uh, for everyday use, you're going to go down to the street, and you're going to find someone to sew your clothes for you, uh, and that's what we're trying to teach them. They call it tailoring. And so we're teaching tailoring. But one of the things they need in order to do that is they need sewing machines. Now, ladies, some of you that are a little bit older uh, will remember your mother or your grandmother or maybe even when you were small, you were taught to use this. My mother still has my grandmother's at the house. It is a pedal machine where you have to tread the machine to make it, to make it work. And that's what those are, because electricity in Uganda, not so much so. Not so much so. If you're out in the village, uh, you're not going to have much electricity. Not to run a sewing machine, for sure. And so they have pedal machines, and that's what those are. And so those cost, a brand new one cost about $150 a piece. Uh, and I think he told me if they bought used ones, and he said the used ones are good, about $125 a piece. So if you have a need and you've been wanting to give to something, this would be something good to give to uh, because we still we need as many of those machines as we can get uh, to be able to teach them and prepare them to go out and, and do the work. All right. Let's move forward then. How's my time going? Because I don't... See o'clock. Uh, three minutes? Woo! No, no, no. Okay. Got some challenges for you. First challenge is Akello Ambro uh, Ambrose Bob. I want you to become his friend on Facebook. He has a radio program and podcast on Facebook. Uh, write that name down. Become his friend on Facebook and watch his program. It is amazing. If you'll go back into June, you'll be able to see us on the program with him. Uh, we're going to skip this and skip this, and we've got to get to ours. Soroti. Soroti is where you specifically are working here at Boonville. And Simon, as you met a few moments ago, Simon is the one who's doing that work in Soroti. Uh, there you will see that we bought them a tent because the church does not have a building yet. The church does not have a building yet, so we bought them a tent, and they are meeting under that tent. We also are supporting the radio program that is there, and the radio program uh, is on every Sunday, uh, and I believe a couple of more times, uh, or at least one more time during the week, maybe on Thursday as well, uh, and so it's throughout the area of eastern Uganda. 
The workshop we had this year, we brought together 43 preachers from eastern and northern Uganda with uh, 30 congregations represented, and Olivia taught 20 of the women during that workshop. Uh, now, let me tell you why I put this on here. We are starting in Soroti School of Biblical Studies just like the one that I talked to you about in Western Uganda. And Boonville is supporting that. It will start, the first classes will start in January during the, during, the fir, during the break. Right now what they're trying to do is get the word out and get everything established and get everything ready. I took their library over to them uh, when we went over this time to prepare them so they had all the research materials and everything they needed uh, to do that. But we need a place to meet. We've got the tent. The tent's not practical when heavy rains are coming, and heavy rains do come. Uh, I had torrential rains come down on me when I was coming down here a while ago. Well, when it rains over there, it rains, and it rains for days. And so the tent's practical except, except during those times, but they need a meeting place, and there is the cost of that meeting place. It is not unreasonable whatsoever. About $18,000 to build the building. They already have the land. They already have the foundation laid. They've already got many of the bricks and materials for the building already. Uh, so we desperately, desperately need that. Uh, and so in order to get that off the ground and get that going, we need your help. Uh, because that work in eastern Uganda with Simon is growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, he is working together with uh, Akello, and you will really like these two guys when you begin to listen to them on the radio and become familiar with them. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to look on YouTube, and I want you to look up Amazing Grace Primary School. And we've got some amazing videos on there that the young people have done uh, that will absolutely, absolutely amaze you. Uh, their music teacher, which is one of the things they much, much teach to them, uh, has done an amazing job with them. And you'll be surprised. I promise you. I was surprised. You'll be very surprised. Look up those videos on YouTube. I'm finished. I wanted to let you ask some questions, but I've talked the whole time. Does anyone have a question, though, about the world? I know y'all ready to go home. Thank you very much. And I guess we need to have a word of prayer before we close. Can we bow for a word of prayer before we close? I know the kids are coming in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your blessings and thank you for the work we're doing in Uganda. Father, please continue to help us and to bless us in, in what we strive to do for you. Father, we love you so much and, and we want to to see your kingdom spread throughout this world, through this community, throughout our state, throughout the world, and everywhere that we can take the gospel, we pray that you would help us to do that. As I pray in Jesus' name, amen.